AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is your moment, your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Be money. We up. Tank. Jay Valentine. We are the authorities on all things R&B. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tank. I'm Jay Valentine. 
Oh, and this is the <laughs> Army Money Podcast, the authority! <laughs> the fucking authority! Oh, shit. On all things yeah. R&B. Come on. Come there on. is a brotherhood in R&B. There's lineage. There's history in R&B that connects and dates back all the way to the beginning of even me. And we got a guy here to confirm. A talent, a gift, writer, songwriter, producer, yeah. businessman. Yeah. Um, more importantly, my loved one, man. Uh, my Papa John's pizza brother man. and Domino <laughs> Wings brother. Uh, Give it up for Donnie Scanson. Yeah. What's up? What's up? Yeah. What's up, man? Yeah. So happy to be here, man. Glad hey, we have you, many a Papa John's pizza with the garlic butter man. sauce. You could only imagine that's how we got that. That's what y'all was surviving in on? the wings. Yeah, surviving wings all the time. What? <laughs> so it's crazy because it. I knew you know we always go back to the to the beginning. We're gonna go back to your beginning, right? Okay. But when I, you know, as I became Tank, Tank was always my nickname, but then I became Tank back tank again whatever that means on tour <laughs> with genuine and Leah because Gen- genuine didn't want to call me Darrell. Mm. he's like nigga you ain't got no nickname i was like <laughs> i was like yeah but only my family called me that what's wrong with Darrell? <laughs> can't be black without a nickname you can't be black <laughs> without so they a called nope. me tank he said you gonna be tank nigga i was like all right so as i become tank my first stop my first real stop into developing whoever this tank guy is going to be is noontime. Wow. The and legendary. The, the legendary. Legendary you noontime. Know, Atlanta. And legendary. the first guy they pair me with is this guy right here. There it is. Amir. <laughs> believe that. And you wouldn't even believe how that pairing occurred. How? Okay. How? Because it came at a time where... I wasn't officially signed to Noontime at that time. I didn't know that. Right. I had basically privilege to be in the building and to create. And shouts out to B. Cox. Yeah. Shouts yeah, out yeah. To, to the Noontime family for allowing me that opportunity, one. But how that opportunity came was an accident. Because there was nobody in the building, if you remember, but us. It was just us, yeah. It was just me and you. And that's really a fast forward into like the whole process of our creative relationship. Because mm-hmm. before that, there was like a real hard grind going on. Mm-hmm. But noontime was gone. They were going to New York to work with Aaliyah. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so all of them, they just was like, we out. Well, it wasn't... You know, it was a deal happening between okay. Black Ground yeah. and Noontime. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had a they had a relationship where all of the signed producers got an opportunity to go work with Aaliyah. Yeah. And I had to stay back. And it was such the fortunate experience for me to have to stay back mm-hmm. because I got to meet you. Yeah. It was just us, bro. It was just that us in the build. studio. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it felt like it was like 30 days, I want to say. Hey, we did some time, bro. <laughs> it was like, how, how many records do you think we created? I don't even know. Time? Right? So legend has it that we created a record a day. I'm sure we did something like that. And 
from that came many opportunities. Mm-hmm. And shouts out to JQ because I watched his podcast and mm-hmm. he mentioned uh, one of the legendary records that we came up with. Yeah. I brought it here with yeah. me today, by the way. We might have to, <laughs> <laughs> have to play, play, put on the big. <laughs> I like to bring some receipts with me. <laughs> I like yeah. to bring some receipts. But the point is, is there was a time when, you know, I was really on the grind mm-hmm. and I really didn't have a footing for myself as a producer. I really didn't even have a footing for myself in Atlanta at the time Mm -hmm. because I wasn't from Atlanta. And so getting to know a lot of the Atlanta community was like really working up, you know? And so I didn't have songwriters who worked with me regularly. Right. So I wasn't necessarily writing songs that everybody was really interested in hearing, you know? So it was really a grind, but when they dropped you there, Hmm. it was like, Okay, now, now's the time to really show them something. Yeah. And that fast forwarded, I think, into maybe this was my second trip to Atlanta mm-hmm. because Ideal was originally the reason why I came to Atlanta in the first place. Shout out to uh, Ideal. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Ideal. My Houston brothers and my family. Well, let's go back to Houston. Let's okay. start. Let's go back to Houston. Let's start in let's Houston. Start there. How do you, how do you even get started? Like, how do you say, you know what I'm saying? I'm Give me some equipment. I need to figure this shit out. Wow. All right, well, here it goes. Only child. Mm-hmm. Just me and my mom growing up. Um, we went to Windsor Village Church. Yeah. As many of us, we start out in the church. I played drums, studied jazz, and there was a group of friends that I had made from junior high school, right? Wayne Perry, Cedric Cotton, Maverick Cotton, Jay Green. This is from junior high school, sixth, seventh grade. I was the youngest of our crew. And these guys were uber talented. I'm talking about like, this is the junior high school that Chris Dave went to. Johnston, shouts out to Johnston Middle School. Yeah. And this is how it all started, because if you know anything about artist development during that time, you know it took years, mm-hmm. right? It still should take years. Right. And it should. Yeah, absolutely right. right. And by the time, of course, through our music musical diaspora growing up, you know, we sang in the choirs, we played in the church bands. Um, we were in the jazz bands at school. We were really into music theory. All of these guys played an instrument, but they also sang too. And so by the time we got to high school, Ideal gets signed to Virgin Records. I was in 10th grade when they got signed. I was also in 10th grade when Chris Dave went to play for Men Condition. Hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> so a lot of our musical influences that we had grown up around that we had admired, you know, Jason Moran was also cut from that cloth too. And Mm. he's like director of the Kennedy Center Jazz. So it's it's like these types of musical pedigrees was around us. And this is what really inspired us. Now me being the youngest kid, nobody was really listening to me. I couldn't sing a lick. Uh, My cousin Charles Venn was in the group at the time too. He was an ideal? Ideal okay. was a five-man group before it turned into a four-man group. And they went to Lamar High School. So I kind of followed them everywhere they went, right? And by the time I ended up graduating, which I graduated from the high school for performing and visual arts, 
which is the same school Beacox, Beyonce, mm-hmm. all of the, you know, that pedigree went through. But they were already signed to Virgin Records and they got put on the shelf. And so by the time we get through graduating high school, you know, these guys was running around Houston singing, you know, at all kinds of events. My mother, who was like a socialite in Houston, you know, set them up singing events with Winnie Mandela, things of that such. And then they got caught the ears of this management company called MacTown Management, Too Hard to Touch. This same management company happened to manage this group, H-Town. Mm. Yeah. Right? Too hard to touch. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shout out to Bishop Burrell, Stick, Pat Johnson, those guys. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I didn't have any skin in the game. I'm just a kid that's rolling with my friends, hoping one day that maybe I could just be the drummer and go on tour with them. Mm-hmm. That was my dream because I'm looking at Chris Dave and what he's doing, and I'm like, man, this is what I want to do. So are they moving with the band, though, at this point, or no? Moving with H-Town? No, I'm saying as far as ideal. I do, So yeah. like you said, you just wanted to go on the road. No. So no, you're just really kicking no. it. You're not even playing drums at the shows, nothing. None of that. Okay. None okay. of it. But we wanted to create music together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, during that time, you know how much it costs to get in studios. Different. Arm and leg. So we didn't, ha- we didn't have the ability to have those types of privileges, especially growing up in Houston. It wasn't like an Atlanta scene. It wasn't mm-hmm. like there was just the music business everywhere. Right. So when, when H-Town and Pat Johnson and, and Bishop Burrell invested their time creatively in these guys, they gave them an opportunity to write and produce their own stuff, mm-hmm. right? Shouts out to G.I. Jackson, right? Because he was one of the dudes in H-Town that H-Town. saw me. Yeah. That saw me and would invite me over to his crib. And he's like, hey, play with this ASR-10 keyboard for a little bit. You know, let's see what you could do. Couldn't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do nothing. But it was somebody that in that nucleus saw me in a way in which that was different from how they saw my guys. And I knew my guys were talented. Like I was like waving their flag, like, like none other. And H town would take them on like spot dates. Hmm. You know, they might have an, you know, an opening. Yeah. Yeah. And this was long before noontime came into the picture, long before the records came into the pictures, long before we even took a trip to Atlanta, right? And that thing kind of fizzled hmm. after a while. Yeah. But th- this whole time, Ideal was signed to Virgin. They, they're a signed they're a group. signed group to Virgin, right? Directly to Virgin, mm-hmm. not through any subsidiaries or anything like that. And so... It was a privileged opportunity because we saw this growth and it took years. It took years. It took years to get on the shelf. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They had a single came out um, that was a Marvin Gaye remake on Original Gangsters. I don't know if y'all remember that. Of course I remember Original Gangsters. Man, Drew Down was in Original (laughs) Gangsters, man. All right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a a real uh, West Coast movie. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So... That was the beginning, right? For me seeing what could potentially occur, Mm -hmm. right? And I go to college then. When I go to college, everybody's back at home. 
you know, the movie didn't do too good. The soundtrack didn't do, do too good. I think Virgin was changing administrations. Regimes, yeah, yeah. You know, and so, mm. you know, get lost in the sauce at a certain point. But we never stopped. Mm-hmm. And so I got into a car accident, maybe coming home from Houston. I mean, coming home from college. And it awarded me the opportunity to buy some gear. Yeah. And I bought an ASR-10 keyboard. What GI used to let me come over his crib and play with and tinkle with. I bought it from Bishop Burrell, Stick. So he's the guy that produced Knocking the Boots, mm-hmm. produced all the H-Town stuff. Yeah. Right? So that was my first keyboard. And then I'm like, okay, we can create something now. But I wasn't a keyboard player. But this was a sampler. Right. So exactly. I learned how to manipulate things, mm-hmm. learn how to record their vocals into the sampler, stack them up, press the one button, and it sounds like a bunch of a bunch of stacks. Mm-hmm. It's like the first DAW. Right. 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 right, right. <laughs> right? right. So the, and and that was really my my first foray into the technical side of things. Mm-hmm. Because now I felt like I had some value. Yeah to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And so they had no other main producer at this point. No. They had Stick and it was us as a group. As we a group called right. ourselves at that time Abstract Productions. Mm-hmm. Right? I know you remember Biohazard. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like it was like our first Biohazard production yeah. company and it was us. And we had an opportunity to go in and some people gave us, you know, we had some guys that Threw us a little money and it was like the streets, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we had some guys that threw us some money and said, "Go in the studio and do some things." So we cut this demo, and I mean, like, one of these songs is called "Puppy Love," right? I can't wait till y'all hear that, right? Robert Glasper loves this song too, to this day. To this I'm sure, day, right? <laughs> but um, so yeah, that was the claim, the fame of my contribution to them as a group coming out of Houston, still being at Howard, because I would be coming home from Howard. Right. At Howard, I would have relationships with this guy, Eric Roberson. My guy. Right? And he would be going back and forth from Atlanta, and he'd be like, man, working with these people down there. This one producer, J-Dub. I don't know who J-Dub is until I start reading them album credits. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. So Eric Robeson would come back, play me certain ideas. What you think about this? You know, and I'm just a kid. Like, nobody's still really paying attention to the fact that I got a group back at home that's signed to Virgin Records, even though I'm not on no paperwork for for nothing that they're privy to. Like, it's still us Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So it gets around to the point to where, like, they're in limbo. They're in limbo. I'm in school. I get to my second semester of my junior year at Howard at this point. And they find a way to have someone, Leslie Bond, actually. I'm I'm going to mention their names. Leslie Bond. What's up, Les? Through one of our cousins, Pete, who was a lawyer in St. Louis. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to take on this action. And we're going to fly out to L.A. And we're going to see what's going on with Ideals Project. So he came out here. He had a meeting. 
with Eric Brooks. Ideal didn't necessarily have like a real core manager at this time. And um, they were able to convince them to put some attention on Ideal. Mm-hmm. And the minute that that happened, Virgin decided that we're going to fly them out here. We're going to put them up, put them up in the Park La Brea before <laughs> the Grove was there, any yeah, of that yeah, was there, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And you thought that they was just going to leave me? <laughs> right? So, nah. Yeah. I packed my stuff up at school and I was like, I'm out. When we leave. <laughs> when we you, you leave school. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. This is it. I'm gone at this particular point. Because at, in school, you know, I'm still touting, you know, my guys got a deal. Like, right. These the one. They up next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so come out to LA and this had to be in 1999 right 1997 to 1999 we were out here and I stayed on their couch Virgin rented a van you know for us to have to move around with wasn't a lot of money going around and they were getting like a monthly stipend I was getting zero Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so you know calling my mom let me get some, you know, rolling around money, eating money, whatnot. You know, go to Western Union, pick it up, call my dad. You know, things would, you know, they would help out. But virtually, you know, I'm out here figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And so Eric Brooks at the time, and I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but I mean, we met with like Big John. We met with like, you know, people who are at the height of their game in publishing or or actually getting there. You yeah. know, I don't know what trajectory when we walked into this meeting with Big John and we're playing him all of these demos and whatnot. And they're basically like, it's like, no, these songs suck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Come on, tell the truth about the music business. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Because everybody thinks we're looking at successful people and they've <clears throat> always had good music oh, to no. everyone. Oh, no. It might have been good music to you at the yeah. time. Oh, it yeah. was great to us. Right. But then you start realizing the reality of what the big leagues really are. Big leagues. Right. Yes. And we stepped into it really quickly with not a lot of representation. Mm-hmm. Right? Basically zero representation. Les didn't have um, experience in the music business even though he was a lawyer so he knew how to kind of look at deals and yeah, yeah. and see what he knew was certain what. terms but not you everything know, right yeah. but we were like really on our own kids in this game like literally kids taking meetings with y'all songs taking meetings with our songs nobody liked them nobody liked them <laughs> oh, shit it was Can, it, do you remember the feeling of that though yes because it was I mean, it's like a gut punch, yeah. really, and a reality check, mm-hmm. too, at the same mm-hmm. time. Because this group is undeniably talented. They will sing any group under the table. Mm-hmm. Their harmonies were like none other. So how could anything that their voices be on not be good? Not be good. Yeah. It happens. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Hey, bro. No, it happens. It happens. You know, like, so. Even if you, like, do, like. I mean, I'm sure you, when you play some stuff, you do like do a deep dive. Like I've listened to some some of my old <laughs> records, and I'd be like, 
damn, I was trash. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This, listen, nobody, nobody bats a thousand. No, let me nobody. tell you, we yeah. can still go back and listen to this Puppy Love record. And I'm sorry, but that record was fire. But were y'all playing Puppy Love for people too? We were playing that. But nobody liked it. It was like, it was jazzy. It was it's, like. It's also called Puffy Love. I, mean, we gotta, we gotta, I wish a grown nigga would play me Puffy Love. Hey, man, you grown this, niggas this get one right here. here. This is really hot. It's called Puffy Love. You niggas is 23. Me and all my guys. Oh, man. We just talking about all the puppies. And, and no, we're not thinking. That, we, we're not that thinking we've nurtured that over, you know, over the years. You know, we're thinking we some real musicians out here. Right. And, you know, we, we are adding some value to value. Puffy Love. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. 
In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. To, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. What had happened was, is Ideal found someone in Virgin Records, right? And they asked her to come and manage them. Mm. Okay. Right? And so now there was someone who spoke the language of the business. Yeah. Who probably didn't have any experience managing at that time, but who worked in there. Yeah. And that worked in that building. Her name was Carmenique Roberts. Carmenique, yeah. Okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm saying names. Yeah, you're saying names. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Shouts out to Carmenique yeah. Roberts because yeah. the moment that she started to speak for the group, <clears throat> then we started to see things happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it was somebody who believed in the group, mm-hmm. somebody who was willing to take their time and and energy and speak on the behalf of, yeah, right? Those who can't necessarily speak for themselves a certain kind of way, right? And she happened to went to, to go to Howard. Hmm. And so back channel now, I got my little cousin B. Cox calling me too while he's at Clark Atlanta University because there was a period of limbo before we moved to L.A. where I was working at Mars Music Right. And he was in Clark Atlanta and trying to figure it out. Right. And part of his story is he's walking around. He finds this flyer on the ground. The noontime flyer. Mm -hmm. Right. And he calls him up and he's trying to get over there and go intern. Hey, look, I don't want to be paid. Just give me studio time. Mm -hmm. Right. Guy from Houston, PVA, well trained musically. Right. So, back channel, Cox and him already knew Ideal was signed, like, since we were in high school. He was an underclassman to us, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're, like, seniors. He was, like, a sophomore, Mm -hmm. right? And he worked at the Guitar Center. And so, we just, you know, we just try to figure out ways that, how we can really just make it. So, by the time we get to L.A., things start moving. Carmenique starts moving. He's in Atlanta, Carmenique sets up this meeting. Well, here's how it happened. J-Dub submitted some tracks. And before we got to Atlanta, he came to L.A. And I think that there was something going on between the noontime relationship, but J-Dub was out here rolling with T.R. And they went to the Music Grinder Studios. Talk about the Music Grinder. The Music Grinder Studios, right? <clears throat> and recorded this song that we all set in the circle in the Park La Brea and we wrote <laughs> about a breakup that my cousin Pete had, right? A song called Tell Me Why. It's on Ideal's first album, right? And this is J-Dub produced track. 
This was before we got to Atlanta and started to realize that our songs were trash, mm-hmm. right? But this song actually made it, yeah, because it was on a J Dub beat, yeah, and the five of us in the room wrote it, and so we were like, yeah, we could do this thing. Start feeling ourselves a little bit. We worked with J Dub, mm-hmm. you know, and so now on the other side of the management's back channels, Carmenique is on the phone. Working out, well, how can we come down and get some more noontime records? Hmm. Right? So they work out a, a chunk of a deal. You know, there was a lot of money going around in the music business back then, right? And they, f- they flew down to Atlanta. I wasn't on that ticket. Because, mind you, I'm not the guy that anybody's paying attention You're not to in me. the damn group. <laughs> right? I'm not in the group, okay? So let's, let's just get what this. Are you, <laughs> what are you even doing Who's here? Who's the guy on the couch? <laughs> what are you even doing here? The guy. It's just right? the guy. <laughs> you know, and, and there were, you know, ran around L.A. working with a bunch of songwriters and mm-hmm. producers here, and, you know, things just weren't sticking, you know, for them. But I was also making relationships, too. Mm-hmm. And... I remember making a relationship with this one producer and who would invite me over to his studio and to do some drum programming for him. And I just learned a lot about the technical aspect of it. And I was really just sowing my oats. You know, I wouldn't just lay on the couch just waiting for ideal to, yeah, to, yeah, to sure. do something. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was going to use the best of my time out here in L.A. the best way I could. And that was making you know, relationships with other producers who could teach me things because people were telling me, oh, this one little keyboard that you're working on is not industry standard enough. So you got to get your game up. Yeah. Right. That's crazy that they would say that. Right. Yeah. But I didn't know anything about sound design. Well, no, the ASR-10 was just, I mean, at that time, we're talking Timbaland. Yeah, we are talking. Like we're talking like a game changing machine. Like, like it was a game changing machine. We're talking big tank. But if like, you didn't know how to manipulate it, like if a you didn't have the sound, if you didn't have a, and if you knew about sound design, then right, getting sounds wasn't like going on splice today. Right. right. Of okay. Course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. People were speed. paying. People you had to know Speedy. You had to know Speedy. Speedy was, and Speedy, <laughs> hold up. Shout we, out to Speedy, We man. knew Speedy. Yeah. We just couldn't afford it. You couldn't it. afford it. We couldn't hey, afford hey, it. Hey, hey, Speedy was walking around like you can't afford it. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. <laughs> listen, he's like, I got, I, I, got two, I got two for three or three for four. You got to let me know what you want to do. <laughs> right. Like, no, them, these yeah. are hot. These are moving. These are like, hot. These, these are moving. Speedy was like at least five grand, five uh, to ten grand. He's cooking. no joke. He's cooking. no joke. Okay. I was like, where are you getting this? But thing? Speedy taught me a like, lot, though. Yeah. yeah. So He taught all of us a lot. No, no, great just, guy. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah. For sure. So back channels, Carmonique's figuring out how Ideal could get some more great songs. Yes. Right? And I'm, I'm skipping over some things. And, and you could imagine how much time is passing in between, you know, all of this stuff that's going mm-hmm. on, right? So it's, a, you know, some months, maybe even a year, you know, and we're trying to figure it out. And I'm not officially signed to noontime. Yeah. But I could still go over there. And work. I, I could still, you know, get my bones in. And I do appreciate, I'm so appreciative of the ability to do that at that time because, when they left me behind to go to New York while they were, you know, negotiating this big Aaliyah deal, 
Before they left, Chris Hicks comes into the sea room because there was this group, Seven Mile, who was working, who was scheduled to work, but everybody was gone. He was like, can you make this track like this with these elements? Uh, Kevin's going to be here. He'll give you some guitars, you know, whoop, whoop, whoop. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I make this track, and Seven Mile loves it. They cut a song to it. Sony Music cuts a check for it. Hmm. I get a check. Yeah. They get dropped. You got the check. <laughs> I got the check. Shouts out to Seven Mile. Yeah. Um, but I was there in noontime studios alone, and then you fly in. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Goosebumps. I swear. <laughs> um, that's where a lot of my advanced money went. <laughs> and I, I guess the inspiration there. for this legendary record that we ended up cutting. I don't know if it was the first record we cut. It's absolutely the inspiration, though. <laughs> I promise you it is. I remember that $40. Oh, man. I stretched it out. I kept flipping it over. <laughs> your advance was gone. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I had... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucked that up. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah buddy. <laughs> but he got seven mile money. He got, yeah, he got seven, seven mile, money, mile money. But we but, wasn't like, we nah. wasn't balling by no means. By it was no means. all work and pizza. By no means. That's it. Yeah. So, and I still wasn't signed at noontime. Mm. And I keep saying that because what magically occurred, and I think it occurred by accident, was after noontime's trip was up with recording with Leah in New York. Nobody could figure out who did this one track that Aaliyah just so happened to cut to. Because on the CDs, I mean, on, I mean on the dats, yeah, it never said the me. names of the producers. It was right. just the music. It right, just, it was just the music. And what I remember of the story, and you know, I could, I could have it a little bit botched because I wasn't there, mm -hmm. is Jazzy heard the track. Jazzy Faye heard the track. It was like, oh, I want to write to this one. For Leah and Blackground loved the track too. Leah loved the track. Yeah. And so Jonte and Jazzy jump on the record. And Jonte writes the first verse, Jazzy writes the second verse, and it comes back to be I Don't Wanna. Wow. And yeah, so when they find out that it was me, <laughs> we got a sign. Come over here. <laughs> we got a sign. <laughs> Let's talk. We need to talk to you. <laughs> and it Get didn't even happen like that mm -hmm. just yet because uh -huh. there were some other things that were occurring in the business side of it. Now, Newton Time went up there and cut a bunch of records with Aaliyah, right? And during that time, I guess whatever deal that they had going on didn't work out. Right. And from what I understood of it is that Blackground didn't want any of those Aaliyah records anymore. Including I Don't Want Including I Don't Want But when it came back down while the deal was still moving on, I was trying to make sure that I secured the potential for this record to be the greatest record that it could be. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Teddy, can you help me on it? Brian, can you help me on it? Everybody. To help finish it. Yeah, to help yeah. finish it. Yeah. Woo, woo, woo. And so, you know, I think we came up with like maybe another version of it. And then Chris was like, nah, they like the record the way it is. And I was like, wow, that's great. Yeah. 
And so, you know, things were moving forward until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Until we got word that Black Ground didn't want any of those records. But somehow, and I don't know how, shouts out to Chris Hicks for whatever magic that he did during that time. But somehow that record got on Priority's desk, Priority Records. And they were doing this movie next Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they wanted Aaliyah so bad to be on this soundtrack, right? That they were willing to pay whatever Black Ground wanted for Aaliyah's appearance. And this was the record that they chose. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. So the song was never on her album then? Not yet. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh so we go because okay. she wasn't oh, working on so, any so, albums yeah. at that. We're gonna point. put it on two different yeah. projects. Okay. She wasn't even better. working on an album. Okay. Yet. She mm-hmm. was doing movies. Mm-hmm. I think she had taken hiatus from like making yeah. music, and she was doing movies. She did Romeo Must Die, and then she did Queen and the Damned, mm-hmm. right? And there was no Aaliyah music out there until this next Friday soundtrack ah. came out. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, it, it it was fortunate because they paid whatever her appearance fee was. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll tell y'all how much that, what I know of it was. It was $200,000. Mm. Just to get the record. Just, just to get, for her. Yeah. Just, just, just for her. Yeah, yeah. And it was $43,000 for the track. Mm. Why, why 43? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's I, not, I, I got, <laughs> my first track was 17.5. I don't know what. I don't know what that well, number that, is. Well, that's at least dope prices. <laughs> but 43, 43 is like somebody took seven. Somebody and it was probably a 50. Hey, man. Hey. It was 43,000. Okay. Somebody right. definitely but took seven. But we're not complaining because yeah, they're 43. Yeah. We're not complaining. Oh, you're 43 or you had to give. Noontime. Of course, I had to give Noontime their their piece, piece but but and their piece again because they had publishing too. But I'm talking about the cash. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, when I say they had publishing, like we when we did the deal with Noontime, they did you a production deal and a publishing deal. Right. So they gave you an advance, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And I guess to kind of buffer what the recoupment process was. They'd only recoup like maybe a thousand, two thousand dollars. They take the twenty percent, mm-hmm. you know, for the noontime management side. Yeah. In which at that time I didn't think I was managed by noontime. I thought I was managed by Carmen. By Carmenie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, so it was a lot of other things that were in yeah. play at this particular point that I had. But what happened was you got the noontime price. Yeah, I got the noontime price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, you know, their stock yeah. is what got you yeah, 43. Because right and now you're, you're a 10 all in. You're a 10 <laughs> all in. Yeah, yeah, You're definitely a 10 all in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, yeah. So you, your price has gotten bumped up. So it was all justified. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. For sure. There was no gripes. <laughs> I bet it wasn't. <laughs> so what'd you all. buy? Did you buy anything stupid? Yes. I bought some $500 Prada boots that I wore like twice. Okay. Yeah. I, I call that stupid because... Yeah, I mean, you know. It was just like, you know, why why did I do this? The little sport joints that everybody had, them, them ones? Them? No, it wasn't the sports okay, joints. It was okay. like, it was like... You know which ones I'm talking about. It was the ones that came out after those. That okay. was like the, like the big, big toe boots. Like how they wear them big shoes now? Yeah, yeah. yeah it it, it looked like early. those then. It was early. But did you feel good when you had them on? 
for the first couple times, that's yeah, but then I didn't, I didn't really care much after that. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that first. They didn't get the word. reaction you were looking for. Nah, <laughs> they didn't. Nah. This gonna, these gonna kill yeah. them. They, they didn't kill y'all. Nobody no. ever, look, nobody ever looked down. And I liked my bands and my shell toes. Yeah, you know, I was cool with that. I couldn't. I, and, and just knowing you, like the Prada boot, just. It's not me. Donnie Scads and the Prada boot? Nah. Yeah. Nah. I don't know. You ain't seen, you ain't seen tried a couple it. music videos. But <laughs> I remember I remember actually taking Ryan, I want to say it was Ryan, Nooney. They took me out on Rodeo Drive when we went to got him. I was like, what y'all want to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't have did that either. <laughs> Nonetheless, it happens, brother. It happens. It happens. Yeah, it happens. You were feeling, uh, you were feeling grateful, feeling grateful. Yeah, but I still wasn't officially signed in noontime. <laughs> man, still, man, what the fuck? <laughs> and me and Beacox took a trip to New York City, mm-hmm. and I started to have meetings, and I had this Aaliyah song in my pocket. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 And Sony Music offered me three hundred and fifty thousand. Come on, three fifty. Come on, 350. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Now we're talking nah. numbers. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went from uh. we went from 30 all in to 43. He was seven missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sony music. Now, now let me tell you. Yeah, there's a catch to this. Uh, there's always a catch. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> a catch. <laughs> you know, some guys down in noontime caught wind of those meetings. Yeah, I bet you mm-hmm. they did. I know they did. I got a phone call. That's a noontime record. Oh, you gonna get a phone call? Oh, I got a phone. You call. might get a visit. <laughs> <laughs> it started with a phone call. <laughs> started with a phone call. I know who like, they sending over there. Like, like, hey, so we uh we heard you uh had this meeting. So look, you could take that deal if you want, but you won't have an Aaliyah record. And it could have happened like that. I mean, John Tay wrote the record. Jazzy wrote the record. Mm-hmm. Kevin played guitar on the record. Fully capable of recreating it, you know. But it wasn't that I didn't want to be signed to Noontime at all. Mm-hmm. I, I had an opportunity to see what the value was. Yeah. Yeah. Right? My heart was definitely want, want, I wanted, to, wanted be, to be okay. I wanted to Absolutely. be accepted yeah. by these guys. And I wanted to be in their system because what you saw happening in that building was yeah. pure magic. Special. It was pure magic. But, you know, there, it came with a cost. It came with some sacrifices. And, you know, a lot of people don't know what those sacrifices might look like because people are so enamored when they do hear the numbers. Mm-hmm. When they do, you know, oh, you, you could have got 350? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but... At the same rate. At a cost. At a cost. But let's break this down too, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Let's break this down. Most people think you sign publishing deals for them to actually help you get music on more projects. Mm -hmm. That part. You ultimately do a publishing deal because you need the bread Mm -hmm. and they're kind of a bank. The same kind of thing that you did these record deals. It's really a bank. Right. 
that doesn't mean that the people that work at these publishing companies are going to actually land you placements. Right. Or you have a be, system. Or have a system, system to even yeah. put you in that will get you placed. Right. Right. Now they may say, what's, what's the shit they used to send out? What's the sheet? What was it called? Uh, who's looking? Who's, who's looking? Who's right. looking right. list. Mm-hmm. You'll have that. How many can, times have you landed a song off of who's looking none. list? None. Exactly. I've landed none off Zero. of who's looking. So that's, you know, at the R&B Money Podcast, <laughs> where we're about the information and the understanding, when you say, I could have went and done that deal, but that might have just only been for the 350 Right. And I'd have been in limbo. In limbo, stuck in, stuck in some crazy And that numbers. money would have been blown. Of course. At that age. With Easy. nobody to actually go and pitch your records, where they're not actually coming to a studio like Noontime. Mm-hmm. To hear these dat tapes yeah. that are putting you in a position to make way more than three fifty, because yeah. it's walking into that building that was just whatever. Once you walked into that building, whatever was presented to you, it just made sense, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You was leaving there with something. You was leaving there with something, right? And so I, I mean, I made the sacrifice, but I also felt like I was paying my way up. Of course, hundred mm. percent. Right? Yeah. I don't know how much of my talent really spoke for it Mm -hmm. outside of the fact that these stars aligned for me Mm -hmm. in a way in which that allowed me an opportunity to get a Leah song on the next Friday soundtrack. Right. My dream was to work with Aaliyah. It felt like I manifested this some kind of way, Mm -hmm. you know, and noontime was the catalyst to do that. You know, and I'm still in there, you know, grinding and and really just trying to be accepted by any and everybody up in there right so they signed me hmm we got okay. signed guys we, we got, got signed. signed hey guys we got signed <laughs> <laughs> there's a signing we're official <laughs> we're official we're signed were baby the, were the numbers anywhere close <clears throat> no <laughs> AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs. 
a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. That number was $35,000. It was 10% of 350 The other? Okay, 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 all right. <clears throat> but I got a $43,000 Aaliyah check. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, so now we have right. seventy eight. If if you want to add that onto it, I'm just I'm, I felt like I worked for that. I just we're do math. We're I just do math. So we're I just you know, that's all. It all counts. Um, I was in their studio day in and day out for free, for free working, for free, for free. <laughs> right? Uh -huh. So all of these factors played into it, and of course, as a kid, they got the record placed. They got the record placed. Okay. You're not thinking about this stuff mm -hmm. though, as a kid. Yeah, you know. And you're not thinking about what they're going through on the other side of their businesses mm -hmm. for s other certain things to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So I get the front half of that 35000 And this is an advance. Right. This is an Let's advance. Let's talk about that. Okay. It's an advance. Right? Because it has to be paid back. It got to be paid back. But check it out. It wasn't that much 
to pay back. Paid. Right, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so you're going to be in the black very, <laughs> very soon. Very soon. Right. You know, if that black, you know, what that black looked like for noontime was maybe taking out a thousand here off of this check, you know, two thousand here. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a it was a process. Yeah. It right. was a process. And, you know, again, they were a production company. So knowing what I know now, again, you don't know what was going on in the back end mm-hmm. of their business practices. But I only got paid the front half of that thirty five. Mm, okay. I never got paid they go the your seventeen five. I never they go your right. I never got paid the second seventeen five. Hmm. However, that Aaliyah check came in, that seven mile check came in. You know, so yeah. so now as an adult, when I'm looking at certain things, it's like, you know, maybe one hand washes the other. Mm-hmm. Maybe I felt slighted then as a kid. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Maybe I felt like the outcast maybe i felt like cinderella in the room because there was nothing that i was privy to until this official signing happened Mm -hmm. right but what i'm thankful for is the way in which things still happened okay because if it happened like i wanted to happen i wouldn't have been with you yeah I wouldn't have had that opportunity to see the greatness <laughs> that you were and have a part to play in the legend yeah. of who Tank was in Atlanta. Because after that, after people started hearing what we were creating, then they were like, oh my God. More work came. More work came. More work came. Yeah. And that was like the pinnacle of where our brotherhood meshed. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And collaboration came back into the forefront for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, my goodness, now I'm creating with somebody that wants to create with me. One, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, two, and we're creating great music and people are liking it. Yeah. Right? And so that leads us to Moet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, my guys, yeah, yeah, and being so kids, he's, get, he's getting those DreamWorks checks too. Yeah, yeah, DreamWorks, right. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's Dream when I, those <laughs> checks. <laughs> yeah. that's when I started to learn about <laughs> what else had to happen. Yeah, yeah, come on, man, I'm gonna get you thirty, but I'm gonna put it in for thirty. So now he know what happened with right. that extra. He seven. know have that extra. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We spoke on it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Hey guys, it's called a kickback. Kick. Um, so what happens is with the kickback is I'm going to put it, I'm going to invoice it for a little bit higher a little bit. than what you probably would make normally. Mm-hmm. And then once you get it, you kick that extra back to me. Period. Period. And that was a that was an industry standard back in the day for A and R's. It's just kind of what it was. It's the way of the world, because they controlled the pocketbook. They controlled the, you know what I mean? Like they, right. they controlled the checkbook. And you had to decide, you know, how bad you wanted it, right? And to me, it was always worth that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Always, right? You needed you needed a little five from this. That's it from the thirty five. Right. Absolutely, right? Because I usually only make twenty. You also yeah. need. You need fifteen percent on the on the pub. Absolutely, here you go. <laughs> oh yeah, you was you, <laughs> you was making it work. Because I need yeah. all seven songs on there. <laughs> right, all seven. I need all seven. Right. 
But when you were putting them out the way you knew which you were putting them out there. Because I was cheating. I was cheating the game. Yeah. So that seven songs. I'm, I'm a hundred percenter, so right. I'm cheating. Right. So to me, I'm the, that math I'm doing. A hundred like, to dropping an eighty five ain't really. I'm doing yeah. long term math. I'm like, yeah. I can do these all, all day. day. <laughs> all day. But what it's not fuck? just that one that came. It was fooling around. Yeah, fooling around. Man. Yeah. We we went out. We we did tear shit up. The rock joint. Yeah, yeah. Damn, fooling around was the one. Oh, that's too So did any of the records <laughs> make your first album? Nope, nope. Like I said, <laughs> none made the album. So the relationship, like you said, the relationship between Noontime and Blackground <laughs> went sour. Ah, because it, okay, okay, okay. And so when it went sour, you know, They Barry, didn't want none of it. Nah, we don't need none of that. I was like, none of it? Wow. Yeah. None? So a lot of those records went on the, you know, on the shop list. Yep. And so I got my own, own room in Zach Studios mm. after that. And then Zach, it was, it was a time where I felt like everything was of urgency for me. Because, you know, I had my child in the world at this point, you know, and because things were so inconsistent for me at that time, you know, I'm, it, it wasn't the best relationship with my son's mother. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the ability to provide as consistently and as good as I should have at that point, you know, but I was working my ass off. Yeah. So I named my production company State of Emergency at this point. Mm. State of emergency. State of emergency was the angst of everything that was going on with me in Atlanta at that point. And I started putting rock guitars in everything. Mm-hmm. And I started like really just, you know, utilizing my creative community as much as I could of people who really wanted to work with me at that point. And so I had guys like Chris Dave in the studio with me. I had guys like PJ Morton in the studio playing on tracks and yeah. you know PJ will attest to it himself like he you know he he used to come into the studio with me and play on keys and he attributes me to teaching him how to make beats and things of that such like out of his own mouth and yeah. this was a whole nother learning process but I wanted to create this band state of emergency mm-hmm. And at, at, and there was this producer. Well, he was a rapper at first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was somebody that I saw a talent in that was remarkable because I saw the work that he did with Jim Crow. And I'm like, bro, you're really producing. But he didn't necessarily know how to navigate the equipment. Mm-hmm. Right? But he would move around between me or between B. Cox or between whoever he could to learn how to work this equipment, right? And coming out of their situation, he was like, I really want to be, I want to take my shot at this production thing. And so I was like, you know, okay, cool. And we did this thing out of my apartment, right? And he would bring street dudes through the crib and, you know, <laughs> rent would get paid, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Things yeah. would come through. And, you know, it, it was a cool little relationship for that process. During this process, I was building up State of Emergency and CSAC dropped like 20, 25 grand to have their opening party in Atlanta. 
and they wanted State of Emergency to be the band of this performance. And I got to choose the artist that would be on this stage. Mm -hmm. Right? And it was at Club 1150, and literally all of Atlanta came out. It was packed house, packed house. One artist that was on that stage was Jay Holiday. Another artist that we performed on, which happened to be like the headlining artist that we performed with, was Leela James. Mm-hmm. Right? And Chris Dave was on drums. Shout out to John John, tracks on guitar. Um, it was a remarkable situation. It was like we was a 1500 and nothing in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Right? And it mm-hmm. felt good because yeah. we was getting, you know, we was getting some traction and we were making some records and we had this one front person that I put a lot of energy into. And her name was Carrie Hilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was my lead of State of Emergency. And, you know, watching Carrie's interviews, it was just kind of like things weren't so random. You know, they were very like, intentional on my part when it came to her specifically. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time that I think anybody had seen her on a stage in Atlanta. First time anybody would have seen Jay Holiday on stage in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And the type of music that was behind them. This was real intentional music, like real musicians playing on these tracks. Like at this point, pulling from the the Donnie from Houston, Mm -hmm. that, that, all I had was my spirit of collaboration at that point, you know, and I took up engineering, right? Because I wanted to learn all the technical aspects of it. So I was a damn good engineer too, as well. Mixing my own stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of all of the above. So people heard these and they was like, yeah, these records, they can't go nowhere but for these artists. So we weren't shopping any records. Like I wasn't trying to shop these songs. I was trying to make this a group, mm-hmm. a thing. And so at the same time, I was working with this producer who was a rapper at first. His name is Polo to Don. Mm-hmm. Right? One thing that came out of my relationship with Polo was pimping all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So Ludacris hit record pimping all over the world. And to... Add some clarity because I think in Carrie's interview, she said that she cut that record in Atlanta. She actually cut that record in Los Angeles. It was on a trip that me, Polo, Rich Boy, and Carrie took to LA. Mm -hmm. And we worked in Ron Fair's studio. And we created that track there. And she sang the hook. Polo wrote the hook. And we had the track. And Polo came with the brilliant idea that this should go to Ludacris, right? This trip was us as a unit Mm -hmm. at this point. This was us as a unit. Um, I think because I had the band State of Emergency and I called my production company State of Emergency, me and Polo had one little debate that was like, well... I'm going to call my shit Zone 4. And I'm like, okay. I'm in Atlanta. I'm, I don't have no problem with that. <laughs> like, if this was the Neptunes, right? You could be Pharrell. I'll be Chad. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that's fine. 
And we were a unit, at least in my eyes, we were a unit, right? And so when it came to certain things that were, because Polo had, he was very charismatic in, in making relationships. So when the Jim Crow thing fizzled with Interscope, he was able to secure his relationship, his management relationship with DJ. With DJ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a very beneficial relationship because it allowed access still. We still had access. Yeah. And I'm using the term we very loosely at this point because in my mind, that's you guys what, are, you, I got the production team together. Yeah. So, so we got a unit and I got all these great records with Carrie and State of Emergency. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little it was a little triggering watching the recollection of of how the story was told because nobody's really going to tell your story the way in which you are. You know, you're going to tell it. And you know, that's why I just have to offer the opportunity for the clarification for mm-hmm. certain things to be there, especially with my relationship with Carrie to speak, because a lot of things didn't happen as randomly as she recalled them. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, like, I think that she had it all planned out in her mind, the way in which she described it, you know, from, you know, not necessarily wanting to be in those girl groups that she was in and all of those things. And Anthony Dent actually brought Carrie to me, mm-hmm. right? Carrie was running around the streets of Atlanta doing the things that she was. She was a very talented songwriter. Everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. But Carrie really wanted to be a solo artist. Mm-hmm. And that's the interest that I took in her is I want to make you the front of you having your own lane and we're doing this crazy sounding music that I think is yours. So, you know, it came out, you know, that there were certain things that happened between me and Polo that didn't necessarily work out the way in which I thought it should work out. But there was, um, there was a relationship he developed with Carrie where and Carrie recalls it in her meeting with Timberland about how she was approached and talked about what producer would get your music, right? And I think she tried to recall whether or not me or Polo had said that. I wouldn't have never said that because I got Carrie's music. I understood what it was. I understood who she was as, as an artist. At least I thought I did at that time. And the introduction to Timberland came into play. And that was a relationship that Polo had. And so, again, I wasn't necessarily privy to how all of that transpired within that. But I did get a call because there were demos that were being played in the Four Seasons Hotel. And I don't know if Carrie recalls, but I was also in that meeting. I was in that Four Seasons meeting with Timberland, and I got the call from Polo. Hey, Timberland is hearing this, these songs y'all did. 
why don't you bring the files down to that strange angel joint? Because I think Timberland want to put his hands on it. Not me. I'm like, oh, my God. Timberland likes my shit? Right. Mm -hmm. Right? This is my, one of my favorite producers ever. Mm -hmm. Right? Enamored by the opportunity. Right? And even though, you know, me and Polo had some differences that were going on during the constructs of what he was building with DJ, I was still happy to be able to not only see him flourish, but to see an opportunity f happen for Carrie to flourish right. too. And it was just, it was, it was, it was something that I wasn't going to say no to. Right. So of course I went <laughs> with your files, mm -hmm. <laughs> went with the files, mm -hmm. went down to the meeting. I had my boy DJ Rogers with me. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And this was a random phone call, just as random as Carrie said she had gotten a phone call that morning or when she, you know, had her beach braids in or, or, or how, however, right? I got that same call and I rushed down to the Four Seasons to have a meeting with Timberland and Polo and Carrie. But they were there before I got there. And I'm not sure what was said in the room before I got there. But when I walked into the room, I was introduced as Polo's engineer. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. There's a different dynamic playing here now. Just totally threw me off guard. And because I had the opportunity to meet Timberland, I wanted to, you know. You want to fit in wherever you could. You know, I wanted to meet my idol on yeah. a on a level <laughs> on that a positive. You ain't want to start no shit, <laughs> <laughs> right? But at the same rate, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like I was I was just Polo's engineer at that time, and I don't know what the agenda was specifically, but I still wanted to play whatever part that needed to be played mm -hmm. for that scenario to go the way it yeah. Went. But nobody's going to speak for you the way that you're going to speak for you. Of course. And I had never had anyone speak up for me in any situation. And so in that situation, I felt like it was necessary for me to say, you know, hey, those records y'all listening to, I produced those records. Yeah. Right? And I also produced Aaliyah. I don't want her. I do not know how that rubbed on Timberland. Because he's like, so what <laughs> at that point and I didn't I didn't feel like it was well received and it was just like another gut punch for me just meeting my idol in this type of fashion and but he's loving my records so it's like it's a high and a low so I'm sitting in this meeting and I'm hearing them talk around these records. And Timberland's like, yeah, Carrie, that's Strange Angel. That's your Cry Me a River. Everything Carrie said. I'm like, yes. In my mind, like, oh my God, Timberland. Can't lift a finger to this guy, but mm. he's fucking with my shit. Yeah. Right? So, the end of the meeting comes. Timberland's like, I want y'all to come to Miami tomorrow. <laughs> and he's looking at 
Carrie, and Polo. And we're going to do this record, Strange Angel. And I'm like, oh, word. So I raised my hand. <laughs> like I'm in class. Literally, raised your hand. Literally, like, why the fuck am I raising my hand? But I'm like, hey, guys, like, um, since you guys are going to go do my record in Miami, you think I could come along too? Right? Timberland looks at Polo, and then Carrie daps them up and walks out the room. Oh, shit. And I'm like, wow. Right? So we're talking about R&B money, right? Yeah. It ain't always the highs. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not always the highs. And so, you know, and, and you could just think of the mental load that, that that could have taken on someone. And DJ was there. He saw the whole thing happen. And Carrie was silent the whole time. And it just hurt me that she was silent. Mm. It just hurt, hurt me to the, to the core. So I remember I sent Carrie a long message. I sent Polo a long message. Skytail Two Ways, I think, was in the yeah. business. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> and basically, that was it. But I did get a phone call from Miami, from Carrie. I don't know if she remembers this either. And I think Timberland, it came around to the point of saying, hey, them state of emergency guys you was working with, why don't, why don't we bring them down to Miami and let them play on some stuff? But they had already done Strange Angel. They had already redid it. Carrie came back to Atlanta, played it for me. It was banging. <laughs> Amazing, right? Like, come on, it's a Timberland beat. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that's dope. That's a, you know, it's a dope remix of what we had already came with. I got those records too, if you want to hear them. Mm. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, the beauty of it was in that phone call, I felt like I had to regain whatever power that I could. Mm -hmm. And so I told her, I was like, if we can come down there and co-produce on them records, just like how he does with the other co-producers that he currently works with, specifically for you. Like, yeah, I think my guys would all be for it. And this was a collaborative effort, so it wasn't just me. State of Emergency was not just me. Mm -hmm. It was John John tracks on guitar, mm -hmm. Chris Dave on drums. This was like my creative community. And so they wanted to hear back from me positive news that we could do this. And it just didn't come out like that. Hmm. After I told Carrie that on the phone, I never got that phone call back. And so the next thing that happened is I think Carrie had a first single come out. And it was The Way I Are. Hmm. And now I'm making up all kind of scenarios in my mind. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, Timberland is like my favorite producer of all time. Like, there's no way, like, I can't hold a finger to him for nothing. You know, so, but I listen to this record, and on the beginning of the record, I hear Timberland say in an anonymous voice, state of emergency. Now, I don't know why he said that, but I'm making up in my mind, like, wow, why would he say that? And I'm like, 
I cannot. I, I just had all these kind of scenarios running around in my mind. I can like, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why would he say that? I can imagine. <laughs> you know, so just another gut punch. And I'm like, Timberland don't need to be gut punching me, <laughs> man. <laughs> not me. <laughs> like, who am I? I have, I have not even uh, the minuscule amount of hit records to even match up to this guy's stature. And all the records that he's coming out with is crazy. The single that he came out with with Carrie, crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But just, it goes to show when the mental starts getting messed with. Yeah. Where your mind could really go. Hell into of a dark, rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You start connecting things that may not <laughs> even that be might, Yeah, that right, might not yeah. even be relevant. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, 
further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I moved back to L.A. And maybe there was some years and stuff in between that, but we missed a whole lot of success stories. Like even being in Hitco at that time, had an opportunity to... Engineer, yeah, got flew to LA, cut Usher's vocals, got Grammy nominated for that. So you're the actual engineer for yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, who's the engineer for yeah? <laughs> Read the credits. <laughs> you're the engineer for yeah. Read the credits. <laughs> okay. Hey, Amen. <laughs> it's a muddy business. <laughs> it's a muddy business. All I got to say is read the credits. No, 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 for sure. I don't know who said what. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, but it's in the credits. Scants is the engineer. Cut cut the demo and the song at Larrabee out here in L.A. Dialed his vocals in. Did all of those You cut him. I got the picture. I got all the receipts. I got the picture. (laughs) Receipts. They got a receipt? Oh, shit. They got a receipt for that. Oh, shit. Go? That's me, Sean, Garrett, Lil John, and Usher. We were the only four in the studio here in LA. That doesn't take away what JQ's contribution to it was. Yeah. It didn't take away the night, you know, Carrie and I were in the studio working on Carrie stuff, and, you know, Sean Garrett brings out the Lil John CD, and they end up writing Red Light mm-hmm. together on Confessions as well, which yeah. was the bonus track. So there was a lot of opportunity and a lot of time that created a lot of plays yeah you know and you know from that it was a lot of positive things that happened and there was a lot of things that weren't necessarily perceived as positive for me Mm -hmm. and that's just the side that i would like your audience to to understand that there's Mm -hmm. ebbs and flows yeah in this thing and you really have to be on top of your decision making skills and your ability to represent yourself certain kinds of ways mm-hmm. so that, you know, you could, you know, <laughs> thrive. So so looking back on it and looking back on some of these instances, do you feel as if you should have done a little more music business? Definitely. I take full responsibility for, 
not doing the business the way in which the business was being done then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Now, maybe I didn't have the resources. I do remember going to DJ and asking DJ, can, can you please also manage me too? He said yes. But then there was a, uh, <laughs> uh, I might not can do this. Conflict of interest. Right. Mm -hmm. But I wonder where that conflict of interest was. You know, Rich Boy started in my apartment. Carrie started with the whole culmination of the thing. There was a relationship there that was fractured, and I didn't know how to manage that. Yeah. Just honestly speaking, I yeah. didn't know how to manage that. Yeah. And that was something that I have to take to the chin. And I think that, you know, even, even throughout time, you know, Polo and I still work together after that. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I ended up, mixing the whole Lloyd King of Hearts album. I ended up actually really becoming Polo's engineer at one point. <laughs> you know, if you really want to just look at it hindsight 2020, like, mm -hmm. and we made good money off of that. Yeah. Um, this is bleeding. This is blood that runs through our fucking veins. So blood, sweat, and tears comes as, from it all. <laughs> as, you, as you love it, the operative word is loving you. Keep loving it and keep doing the work. It'll, it'll, as Jay said, make all the room for you. And at the end of the day, it makes all the difference. And it has made all the room. Come on, man. Yeah. It has made Come all the room. Come on, man. Now, you've had, you've, you've had, and, and, and you have an amazing career, bro. Yeah, I, I agree. Still yeah. It's still going. It's still, still going. going. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what you what you got over there, Chad? I'm just tapping to my, you know, to my talented mind. We got talented people here today. <laughs> we do, man. He brought a he brought a camera with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do a few things. Yeah. He talking about going on the road. I went on the road as a musician. You know? <laughs> yeah. I went on the road as a background singer. That was yeah. my dream. You know? <laughs> to be an MD. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, brother Donnie Scants. Yes, sir. You've been doing music a real long, 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 long time. Long time, long time. You know a lot of things about music. Yes, and sir. all of your journeys are making music. Mm -hmm. You've been inspired by a lot of music. Today, the R&B Money Podcast would like to inquire... What you want to know? About your musical knowledge. Your musical information. Uh-oh. The music that makes sense to you. <laughs> that touches your heart. Your. Top five. Yeah. Your top five. Hmm. Top five. <laughs> your top five. R&B singers R&B songs We know you know We know you wrote Engineer too But we want to see What's your top five Yes Yes Yeah Top five Top five. 
this nigga's performed that <laughs> 90 different times, 90 different ways. This is insane, he bro. never gets old. This is great. I enjoy this. this I enjoy <laughs> Donnie Scants. Yes, sir. Yeah. Scantana. Yeah. That was one of them. Come on, man. <laughs> Top five R&B singers. Living Undead. Your world. You call it. Marvin Gaye. Ah. Mm -hmm. Donnie Hathaway. Yes, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't leave out Stevie Wonder. You better not. You better not. <laughs> You're going down that road now. But I'm going to add some new guys up in there, too. I'm really messing with Dixon. <laughs> Shut the building down at the R&B Money Live. Hey, he went crazy. <laughs> yeah. Shout yep. out to Dixon. So, yeah, he, put him on the... He acting up. Y'all need to go listen to yeah, that. Yeah, man, you do. Yeah, he's special. Yeah, you do. Okay. And uh, I'm going to just throw a left curveball because I need to put, you said R&B singers. It was, it's your world. Whatever. Go crazy. This young girl, Malaya, are y'all familiar with her? No, I'm not. Y'all need to check her out. She's on Keon Harold's new album. Hmm. Foreverland. Y'all should definitely check him out. Robert. Malaya. Yeah, Malaya. her name is Malaya. Malaya, we shall do that. Yeah. My goodness. The R&B Money community will do that. Top five R&B songs. Hmm. Son. Mm-hmm. Sparrow by Marvin Gaye. Mm. Okay. That's interesting. You know that one? No. It was on the Hear My Dear album. Oh, I know it. Love You For Life. Is that the name of it? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's yeah. one of them. Yeah. One of them. What a song. <laughs> I know where I was when I heard that. Yeah. I'm going to go with Aaliyah. I don't want her. Um, Definitely going to put one of mine on there. Okay. That's three. I Belong to You, Lenny Kravitz. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Very special, right? Mm hmm. Oh my god. Lenny goodness. don't get enough R&B credit. Lenny don't get enough <laughs> R&B credit. credit, bro. Lenny is R&B. He's R&B. He's an R&B rock star. He's an R&B rock star. Man, Lenny, man. Ain't nobody fucking with Lenny, man. Mm-mm. I love Lenny Kravitz, bro. Man, and I'm not even going to lie. What B. Cox and them did with Made For Me, with Money Long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah, not yeah, put yeah, yeah, yeah. my yeah. peoples up in you that piece. Guys in there. Yeah, you put the mm -mm. special record. Yeah, you gotta put the guys. And that release of that the the BET version of it. Yeah, I oh, know they they cooking, they cooking, <laughs> having a good they cooking. Time. All right, here we go. What else? What else on. you got? I got some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know this. Because he didn't he didn't say he didn't say some names while he was here. So this is this is gonna be a little bit different for you, brother. Uh -oh. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I ain't saying no names. Huh. I ain't saying no names. I ain't saying no names. I ain't saying no names. Who you was? Who you win? Oh, the, what you did? Church names, Don't man. say she. <laughs> two and four, baby. <laughs> Not the one in three, the I two and four. No, nay, yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
He got them president vocals now. You know what I mean? He been singing at the White House and shit, man. Skinny been at the White House, man. man. Making policy. Babs you know. been back yeah. in D.C. Yeah, yeah. Secret Service over defense. here, man. You know. Nice. Yeah. Did you say you're the Secretary of Defense? Yeah. You know, the gen- they, gen- they need the general to do general yes, shit. Yes, yes, yes. That's what this general is Generally. Generally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So this yeah. segment of the show, a very important segment, we save it for last. Right. You know what I mean? It's called I Ain't Saying No Names. Where you tell us a story, funny or fucked up, or funny and fucked up, mm-hmm. along the journey oh, damn, of Donnie I think Scans. we just already just No, no, listen. But this whole listen don't act like you ain't got more. <laughs> I know you got more. And some ones you don't want to put names yeah. to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whew. Give you a second I to think. I ain't saying no names. Give you a second to think. <laughs> You know we mean? was in New York. Oh, oh, oh going shit. Out. Okay, okay, okay right hold now. On. Okay. Hold on. So right now. I like your attitude. Yeah. I like your attitude. Yeah. First he went from, uh, I don't know. I don't you know, know, so one time. <laughs> so listen, right now, Ooh, this Jesus. is Donnie Scant, the Scant man himself. I ain't saying, I ain't saying no, no names. names. We were in New York City. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a place. That's a place. Whew. We went to go drink sake at a sake bar in New York City. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how sake hits after you drink so many shots. I ain't saying no names. But we was at the Renaissance Hotel mm-hmm. in Manhattan. Yeah, I know. I know that's the one. You had to take an elevator to get up to the yeah. lobby. Uh-huh. And God forgive me, because uh, we were so... Oh man, I don't even know if I should tell this one. Too late. Too late. <laughs> Too late. Just, just, just go, man. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Well, security had to help me and this other individual up to our rooms because we kind of passed out in that one floor elevator going up after the cab dropped Shit. us out. And. We get up to our rooms, and in New York, you had a whole lot going on during this time. Like, yeah. I fell out in the hotel room only to wake up to see in the room full of disarray, knowing that some things happened around me that God put me to sleep for. Mm-hmm. Didn't want you to witness it. Didn't want me to participate. Participate or even think of being a part of. And I could just remember seeing things around me that were used and. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) The hangover is real. And I ain't saying no names. I ain't saying who was used on. <laughs> oh, shit. Not used on. <laughs> but Ooh, yeah. That wake up is different. That wake up is different. But I'm glad I was asleep. Mm. Now that I'm 47 My and I can think about it. Because when I wasn't 47 and I woke up, I was mad. Man, y'all didn't wake me up. I'm telling you. Listen, I'm 48 and I'm still mad. 
I ain't got over that night. I fell asleep. I have not. But that's the only sleep that only God could that's put you through. That's only God. <laughs> that's only. That's only, only God could have knocked me out and kept me out of that. Because I needed it. <laughs> no. Boy. No. I Shouts out. Only you know who that story is. Oh, my God. Wow. Toast to you. Oh, I got I to gotta tell me I ain't saying no names and tell my story. <laughs> Like that. Oh my God. Oh, but the names are so legendary in the story. <laughs> oh yeah. Good job. Good job. I did Good job, that. Lord. Good, Good job, job, Lord. Lord. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh brother Donnie Scants. Um you have been my relative for quite some time, my brother. It is, hey, it, man. is it is really good to see you. Yes, it is. You know what I mean? It's, it's after so long. After so long. It's really dope, you know, talking down memory lane. And and being able to put myself back back there as a kid, as a, you know, twenty two, we were kids, three year old kids, but on our own, because kids get on their family's insurance till they're twenty six now, right? We had, I wasn't on none of that, <laughs> we but had, that's just to show no you nigga, we the level serious. in which you're still considered we was a kid outside. I guess I was grown for a long time because we didn't have no insurance. <laughs> nigga, I didn't even know what we were talking about. Right. We were outside. We were outside. Literally, we were outside in Atlanta by ourselves, trying we to figure outside. it out. And um, you know, it's it's. I mean, I I I, I couldn't tell you enough how much I love you and appreciate you, brother. Thanks for our, our having humble me. Humble beginnings are, you know, are why we are who we are and what we are, man, and and why we will continue to be. Absolutely, uh, it's the love, it's the love for it. It is the love for ourselves that will continue to drive us, and that's what we teach. Yeah, that's what we continue to preach and teach. And I hope your audience was able to take away a lot from what they needed to hear from this. Yeah. Well, they 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 hear the yeah. journey, man. And that's and that's the most important part. Because y'all are all doing y'all are doing God's work yeah. here. Yes, sir. Trust that. Yeah. Trust that. The information is important. Mm -hmm. The information is very very important. Yes, sir. And I think people could utilize this and take from our experiences mm -hmm. and make this world a better place. Yes, sir. That's what Michael said. Yeah. Just you and me. <laughs> that's the only purpose, man. Thank y'all so much. Come on, man. My name is Tank. I'm Jay Valentine. And this is the R&B Money Podcast, the authority on all things R&B. Yeah. This has been the journey. Um, this has been mental health. This has been music. This has been everything. But our brother, talent, yeah. Donnie Scans. Yes. R&B Money. R&B Money is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, Visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Don't forget to subscribe to and rate our show. And you can connect with us on social media, at Jay Valentine and at The Real Tank. For the extended episode, subscribe to YouTube.com forward slash R&B Money. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic. And at higher risk? 
get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday already a know. podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 